Welcome to All Axes, a podcast featuring original content on a wide range of subjects focusing on today's North American manufacturers. My name is Teelan Henderson, and I'll be your host. This episode is one of our first five episodes, where we give you a glimpse of things to come. Today, we'll be previewing one of the keynote speakers who will be presenting at Mazak's Discover 2019 event, which is taking place November 5th through the 7th and 12th and 13th on Mazak's campus in Florence, Kentucky. Discover is the largest private manufacturing event in the industry and will feature the latest developments in machine tool technology, CNC controls, software, automation, customer support, a first-hand look at our Mazak iSmart factory, and daily keynote speakers. One of the many important issues we'll be addressing at Discover is adaptive learning and smart machining. Speaking at our Discover event about how to prepare for the growing trend of advanced digital manufacturing is Tom Kerfis, Chief Manufacturing Officer for Oak Ridge National Laboratory. Good afternoon, Tom, and thank you for joining us on All Axes. Hey, Talon. Good afternoon to you as well. First off, how close are we to the concept of if you can think it, you can make it being a reality? Well, let me put it this way. I, I think we're getting closer, but I think we're still uh, a, a fair amount away. You know, and, and that is saying, look, our equipment is getting better and better. I mean, if you take a look at what's happening with CNC and so forth, they're getting easier to use. Uh, we're seeing now additive manufacturing. We're seeing, you know, hybrid where we're integrating, uh, you know, we're, we're integrating the, uh, the uh, additive and, and subtractive. Um, you know, you'll, you'll see these types of things uh, over, uh, you know, over in Covington uh, coming up, uh, you know, over at Mazak. Um, so, so the processes are there, the capabilities are there. Uh, but the one thing I want to point out, you know, is we're getting better and better at it, but that human is still going to be there. You know, you got to design it, but you've got to make it. And, and human beings are unbelievable in terms of their capability. So having a skilled human in there, you know, is going to be necessary. But these new tools, these new capabilities are going to make that human a much better, you know, individual in terms of production capabilities. Right. Cool. Um, how does this concept affect other aspects of manufacturing process? For example, camp systems with embedded AI. Yeah, so this is this is a, a great question, Thielen. So, and, and it sort of follows on from what I just said about we're going to really make the human better, right? We're not replacing the human, we're going to make them better. So, you know, as you design, let's say a turbine blade, right? You're going to say, hey, we have different material. Maybe it's a nickel-based super alloy and so forth. We'll have different materials. And the CAM system, so you've got the CAD, the computer-aided design that helps you design it. And we can have all sorts of computations, you know, and finite element analysis and flow analysis for that turbine blade and, and, you know, in the turbine. But we also can start to bring in our CAM, our computer-aided manufacturing tools that say, oh, well, here are the different materials you could use, feeds and speeds, the tool types, the coolant types, you know, even programming up the machine accordingly. So that takes a lot of load, you know, off of, you know, off of the, uh, um, you know, the programmer and, and, and the setup people and so forth. So, so the reality Again, people say, yeah, we can make things, but it's it's really the entire life cycle of how do we design this to, to really function as best as it can? And then how do we even pick the materials? How do we pick the process? Again, we keep thinking of machining, but it could be additive. And I really believe it's going to be a combination of additive and machining uh, you know, in the end. And then the bottom line, actually, is we might even be thinking about the whole circular economy. So what happens you know, with this blade? Uh, when it's worn out. And again, you go back to some of your hybrid systems where you might actually repair them and, and generate actually a blade that's that's better than the original blade. Right. 
So, so, so with some of these new processes, with, with the next generation processes, they often bump up against existing pre-approved operations in industries like aerospace and medical, uh, which sometimes freeze uh, processes for better control. What are your thoughts on how to overcome older legacy thought process? Yeah, so there are sort of a couple of things. Number one is we're seeing, for example, you know, a major application is tooling. And of course, tooling is not flying. So, you know, you don't really worry too much about certifying your, your tooling. So additive or hybrid, the additive and subtractive, they are going to migrate, you know, into production operations. You know, that being said is I think we really need to turn around and say, yeah, you know, we need to certify based on something that we'll call board qualified. Right. And the idea there is, look, a part comes off. We've monitored how that part was made. Uh, and by monitoring all of our sensor signals from that machine, we know that that part is good. I'll give you a great example. When you buy a turbine blade, OK, it's, it's cast and then machine. We're now working towards controlling the microstructure of that blade. And I think in about five or 10 years, you're not going to want to uh, buy the cast, you know, the, the, the blade that was made from casting and machining. You're going to want to see it printed and then machined because we're going to know exactly what the microstructure looks like. So, so I think this is how you overcome it. The other thing, really, though, is and that's on the manufacturing side. But again, you're going to have to take a look at the CAD side. Um, we think about designing things for our classic machine tools. And by the way, classic machine tools aren't going to go away. They are just too good, you know, and they are just too productive. But now how do you start to bring some of these other processes in and getting people to think a little bit outside of the box? So I, I think that there are really sort of several steps that have to move forward, but ultimately it's going to come down to some nice fundamental science that you're going to say, yeah, I made this part. It is board qualified. It is good. It is genuine. It is ready to fly. Just letting the new processes prove their worth and prove their metal and prove their quality should uh, help break apart the old ones. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think, you know, not only that, but, but we really have a good grasp on modeling of these processes, right? Or I should say really mm -hmm. not so much that we have a, we, we do have a good grasp and it's getting better. But at some yeah. point in time, you know, you're going to say, yeah, we built this, we know exactly what we have, and there's no question about it. This is, you know, this turbine blade or this, you know, hip joint or knee joint and so forth replacement. You know, these are you know, exactly to specification, you know, they're good to go. Interesting. All right. How can digital manufacturing create a more secure and verified supply chain? And how do you anticipate its effect? Well, this is really a good question, you know, and, and again, a lot of people think about digital as, okay, we can really move technology and capabilities out fairly rapidly because we've got, you know, connected systems and, and you can get this information designs and, and process parameters out there. But the other thing that happens, and, and, and one of my colleagues uh, who heads up our machine tool group over here, you know, he talks about the fact that and it's the same thing for me. You know, 30 years ago when I was in graduate school, I spent, uh, I would spend months putting instruments on machine tools and so forth. And then we would run the machine for a few hours and gather a bunch of data and do all sorts of analysis and come up with the latest and greatest models for machining, et cetera, et cetera. Today, all those sensors are already on the machine. Every time you make a cut, we're running those experiments that we you know, <laughs> took months to set up 30 years ago, right? And so the reality here um, you know, is as I'm machining, I can record all the information from that machining and that information can go right along with the part. So I know exactly how the part was made. I know what all the readings look like. I know what all the tooling is that was used you know, for this part, the inserts, the coolant, et cetera, et cetera. So exactly how it was treated. So now I've got, you know, what you might think about as a digital twin. I've got 
my part, the actual part, but I have all the information that was generated that we could run actually even through our models, you know, to say, yeah, I've got a digital version of the part. And those can move along production so you know exactly what you have, but also can be used to verify that, yeah, what I have, you know, is what I expect to have. So, so I think that this provides you not only with the ability to say, yeah, I have the right part, right? But also you think about, hmm, you know, is it a counterfeit or not? Because well, maybe we can 3D print this thing out, right? Somebody else might have made it. But now we know, not only do we know it, it, it's a good part, it was made right, but we also know that it's genuine. That's, that's incredible accountability. I, I love the monitoring at every single step. Um, right, what are the ways digital manufacturing is democratizing advanced manufacturing? So this is great. And this is probably my most favorite story. And I, I think about Uber, right? And, and, and to me, Uber or Lyft or any of these ride sharing services, right? They've got three really important things going on there. The first one I, I think is very obvious. And that is we're connecting the customer, right? With the supplier. Hey, I, I need a ride from the airport home. Uh, you know, get me connected up, you know, and, and, and let's go. Right. So now, you know, let's say I'm, you know, an OEM, let's say General Motors, right? And I need a thousand parts. Um, you know, I can go out there and say, hey, you know, companies out there, you know, can you, you know, supply me with these parts? But what's really beautiful about this is that you don't necessarily need one company to supply with a thousand parts, right? Um, I can get a hundred companies to give me 10 parts. And so now those 10 parts could be delivered, you know, overnight or in a few hours, right? And we're not producing all right. of these parts. So that's number one. Number two really is, is, Again, getting back to the born qualified. And, and then, you know, when I get into that Uber or into that Lyft, you know, the map pops up, right? And I see exactly where I'm going, right? And so I'm, I'm not being taken for the proverbial ride. Well, you know, so I know I'm getting my, my, the right value, right? It's the same thing. The part comes off, born qualified, it shows up at GM. They don't have to inspect it. They know it's good, okay? And all the information comes with it. And that's actually even important from a warranty perspective. Um, the last thing to me is this democratization of manufacturing, right? And that is when I get into that ride sharing service, into that Uber or Lyft, um, you know, well, let me say this. When I used to get into a taxi, right, that driver, you know, she knew exactly where to go, you know, and, and if it was rush hour, she could go, you know, take all the little secret routes and so forth, but get me from the airport to wherever I was going. Now, with, with Uber or Lyft, right? Google Maps pops up or Waze pops up and you have taken out the need for expertise, right? You know, for knowing all the little paths. In right. fact, you've got real-time sensors from everybody else's phone driving around, right? That tells you exactly the path you should take. Now, that being said, you still need somebody. And I think we probably all hopped in a car. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm not sure. You know, this person knows how to drive very well. Right? <laughs> you still yes. need the driving, you, know, <laughs> you know, you still need the driving skills, um, you know, and you still need the machining skills, right? I'm not saying you're, you're going to have a machine, you just throw stuff in and off it goes, right? But now, you know, in that machine, you know, you're saying, hey, I, I'm machining this thing out of, you know, Inconel uh, or GTD 111 or whatever it might be, right? And, you know, here's the recommendation for, the coolant for the tooling, the feeds and speeds, you know, will help you set it up. In fact, you know, people always say we need more CNC operators. Really the tough part is the, is, is the setup of the programming. So if we can help there, I mean, operators are still, they still have a, a pretty strong skill set, right? But it's not quite to the level of, of programming, you know, or setup. And there's an opportunity actually to, to train our operators, right? If we had this connectivity, say, yeah, okay, we'll help you with the setup and we'll actually train you. So, you know, we'll bring you, you know, from an operator to a programmer to a setup person, you know, via the training. 
So the idea really would be, yeah, we can we can bring all of these things together. And so all of a sudden, you know, you get it out there. You know, and remember, I mean, 99% of manufacturing in, in the US, right? They're small and medium-sized enterprises, right? And so that's really where we need to get it out there. And that is so important because the technology is moving so rapidly, right? That we, we need to make sure, right, that these manufacturing operations, that they are kept up to speed. You know, it, it's great for the entire you know, supply chain, but it's great for them as well because, you know, they're going to make more money. They're going to be more efficient. They're going to have greater business opportunities. So, I mean, I think that there are just, you know, some, some tremendous uh, opportunities going on out there. And, you know, if we can democratize you know, advanced manufacturing, by the way, it's not if, it's when we democratize advanced manufacturing, you know, it's going to be just super, you know, for, for the economy, you know, and, you know, I mean, pretty much for the American dream, right? You know, hey, your small little mom and pop shop, right? I mean, this is the backbone of U.S. manufacturing. And we're going to make sure that they're going to thrive in the 21st century. Helping small businesses close the uh, skills gap and, and have less inventory on hand. Um, I'm all about that. And, and not only that, close that skill gap and, and then keep that skills gap closed and keep them with the latest technology, keep them secure, keep them safe, keeping everything moving right along. By the way, the other thing that's beautiful about this is, is you know, now, I mean, think about it. If I can do this, right, then this really favors local manufacturing. Because, you know, if, if anybody could make this, right, and you could do it very cost-effectively and quickly, well, you know, again, keeping your inventory down in terms of just-in-time, you know, are you going to pick somebody who is, you know, a few hours away, you know, or are you going to pick somebody who's a couple of days away, you know, and again, you can distribute it. So I, I, I can have 10, 20, 30 different suppliers, right, who could just make 10 or 20 different parts, right, to give me my whole, you know, 500-part order, and that makes things even more resilient, right? So if you've got one big supplier and they have a problem, you're in trouble. But if I've got, you know, hundreds of suppliers that are very flexible, you know, you don't have a problem. Great. Love it. Tom, thank you for joining us today. And thank you for listening to All Axes, First Five, with our guest Tom Kerfus as part of the Mazak TV network. Tom will be speaking at Mazak's campus at Discover 2019 in Florence, Kentucky. Register now at mazakusa.com backslash discover19. Be sure to check your favorite podcast app for future episodes of All Axes.